0: One of us needs and appreciates all your support.
1: To those who have listened before, to those after, to us reviewing now and to those beyond seen or unseen here, but not here. So begins another meeting of the Screener Squad, discussing a little story called The Midnight Club. I am Rose, and with me are Melina.
0: T'was a dark and stormy night.
1: (laughs) And Tessa. I'll be right back, I swear. (laughs) (laughs) And so this show is yet another really good spooky story from writer and director and spiritual successor to Stephen King, Mike Flanagan who is seemingly incapable of doing anything that doesn't involve knocking it out of the goddamn park. Uh, It's based on, well, a, a number of things. A book by the same name from Christopher Pike, as well as incorporating elements of apparently upwards of 27 of this guy's other books and short stories. And it's about a group of terminally ill teenagers at a kind of like alternative care hospice facility in an old mansion who meet together every night, recite a mantra, and tell spooky stories via firelight. And if that sounds at all familiar, then you are absolutely correct, because uh, I believe Mike Flanagan openly admitted the inspiration that was drawn from uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark? (laughs) as well as lots and lots of other things that pop up, and if you are a horror fan at all, will just make you shriek with delight. Uh, what did you guys think of this?
2: Uh, yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of Mike Flanagan's work. I think the only thing that I was kind of lukewarm on of his was uh, the film he directed, Oculus. Great, okay. hmm. great uh, concept, but really poor sort of execution as far as like i don't know just like the rules once it got to a certain point anyways this is not a review for oculus sorry um but yeah i i really enjoyed this series uh it's not exactly an upper you know given the uh plot line is about <laughs> a bunch of terminally ill teens so uh yeah it's definitely uh definitely a bit dour
0: well if i wanted a dour then i would go to morphine oh wait morphine is a downer i just ruined that joke <laughs> Which is me reporting? That's me repeating a joke from the show. So if you don't like that, it's yeah. not my fault.
1: Yeah, don't blame her.
0: <laughs> but that's also me saying that I ex- I absolutely love Mike Flanagan. I've not seen everything he's done. I've not seen Oculus, so I've definitely we can heard, discuss it. I've heard mixed things, <laughs> uh, including yeah. tonight. Um, but I, from what I have seen, I love everything he's done and. This is one of them. I absolutely love this yeah. too, and Mike Flanagan is one of the only horror directors ever where I where, where I will say bring the tissues when you watch his stuff.
1: Oh, because for sure, you and, will and sob definitely with this. Yeah, I mean, again, I mean, we've already said it. Given you know the what the premise is, it, it's not exactly like the happiest of stories, but it, the characters seem to take their terrible situation in stride and one of the big themes of the show is just doing the most of what you can with the time that you have left i mean none of them are particularly looking forward to dying but they've kind of accepted it at the same time which is an incredible amount of strength that i don't even sure i think i would have
2: <laughs> yeah i was i was a bit heartbroken at the beginning with the one our main protagonist where she was like am i going to miss Am I going to miss the first, like, you know, semester of college? Like, I'm going mm-hmm. to, like, wh- where was she going? Like, Stanford or something? Stanford, Something yeah. like that. Yeah. And just her just being, like, not having any idea of, like, how long this was going to take and what the road was going to look like. And just, like, her's sp- like, am I going to miss the first semester? I'm like, oh, honey. Oh, oh baby!
1: Yeah, and even oh, yeah. like that—that shot of her where she's like, you know, I just turned eighteen. I—I I can beat this. And then it cuts to her one year later in a hospital
0: bed with all of her beautiful hair gone. Like, I know. After she'd done that beautiful dye job on her hair, and you're yeah. like, oh Jesus, Mike Flanagan, yeah. stop it, sir. <laughs>
1: I mean, you were going to have a conversation. <laughs>
2: <laughs> quit, quit making me feel things. <laughs>
1: wow.
2: uh, yeah, the the font of this, like the uh Midnight Club font was very Fierce Street, but I'm sure that was just what the font looked like on the books because it was the mm-hmm. 90s. It is. You yeah. know. <laughs> yeah.
0: All of his books, they yeah. have that sort of like chalk neon look to them, which was, I thought, a really yes. smart touch on their part. I, I yeah.
1: will say, though, the 90s setting of it, even though they made mention of it a couple times and had things like uh there's a somewhat minor plot point about the playstation coming out soon and whatnot and what one of the characters wanting to be able to play it before he dies but he doesn't think he'll be able to um it didn't feel very 90s-y to me not to say so much that they had to be mentioning 90s things every other second but in terms of like the fashion and the hairstyles and whatnot i've felt it was kind of hit or miss across the board it didn't really look like the 90s to me and that's a nitpick it, i suppose but
0: well it wasn't it, overt but i did like the fact that they brought in 90s music that wasn't you know like top five bill mm-hmm. like top five of the billboards at the time um i did i think the biggest song i heard was hootie and the blowfish <laughs> but I, I like the fact that it was understated with that It's not like Forrest Gump Where it's like calling attention in a major way mm-hmm. to the decade um, But I was like, I think the reason they probably said it in the 90s Was, you know, A, this is about people getting in, in a basement every night And telling stories And they're not playing computer games or on their phones mm-hmm. every day Which in yeah. the 90s, yeah, you had to use your imagination
2: well, the the Midnight Club, the book, came out in 94. So I think they were having it set in the time that mm-hmm. the book came out. And then also, I feel like the the feeling of it being set in the 90s kind of went away when they went to the hospice because that place is so timeless that yeah. you kind of lose that 90s feel. But when they were at, like, uh, Ilonka's house at the beginning, oh, yeah. Like, the set dressing and their outfits and her stepdad and just, like, that whole vibe there. Disgusting yes.
1: Disgusting honey oak cabinets. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes. Like and she had a caboodle on her like built in bookshelf that was on the her headboard <laughs> of her bed. And I was like, oh, my God, I had friends who had that headboard and just yeah, like the person who was like in charge of set dressing for Ilonka's house just nailed it. But as soon as they got to the hospice, then you kind of lose that because they're in this gorgeous Victorian house with this door and this wraparound porch, and my God, and all of us were just drooling. <laughs> I know. Um, we in the, the child, architecture.
1: Like, ah. And then it is very, like, he, Mike Flanagan definitely has a style when it comes mm-hmm. to how his interiors are, well, styled and shot and everything. And if you had shown me a clip of this, Completely out of context, of just one of the many scenes of people walking through hallways at night, and told me it was like a deleted scene from Haunting of Hill House or something, I mm-hmm. would have believed you because they look the exact same. Like his style is very distinct and very identifiable. And that's kind of nice that it has that consistency.
0: Yeah, he has that tone that he knows how to strike through all of his shows regardless of whether or not the core concepts have anything to do with each other. And in this case, yeah, this has a lot in common with what he's done before, especially his TV shows, but all of them have such an identity to them. And you discover Mm -hmm. what that is the more it goes along. I will say about this show, I think it took me about four episodes to really understand where they were going with it. I mean, I wasn't bored, but I was like, I don't really understand. I I don't know for sure what it is you're, what journey you're taking us on. But when they hit that fourth episode and I kind of got the hint of what he was alluding to, I was like, oh, okay. Now I see how this show has its own voice, how it has its own identity from what else you've done. And it only kept surprising me from there.
2: I I was wondering what sort of paranormal or if it was going to get like a paranormal element or if it was going to be explained away with, you know, oh, I was seeing things because of my medication or, you know, what have you. They really kind of didn't answer all those questions necessarily. And they definitely left it open for a second season, which they're aiming for, but they have not been approved for yet. But I think in the next month or so, they probably will. I hope
1: so. Yeah, and I I kind of liked that ambiguity, and I, I really liked it once it kind of, for a minute, seemed like it was all going to be completely rational explanations Mm -hmm. that yeah like you said is just people's medications that's the ghost that they're seeing they're hallucinating things and these seemingly paranormal connections no it's just bored desperate teenagers trying to find something fun and creative in this terrible situation they're in and it really seemed like that for a minute i was like oh this is cool and then it kind of veers back in the other direction like well maybe and i'm like "Ah." (laughs) all right all right And even by
0: the end, you're not entirely sure. And I thought that was brilliant. I'm like, I think that this is the first time that Mike Flanagan's done anything that does feel like it's begging for a second chapter. And I'm like, I really hope it gets it because there's enough unanswered questions here that makes me want to know, all right, this arc isn't done. You know, you set it up beautifully, but I want, it's not done. Where are you going?
1: Yeah, and and there is one pretty huge dun 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 moment
2: at the end (laughs) you're like
1: oh oh, okay uh, all right
2: (laughs) yeah I I kind of sussed like that out as soon as I saw that cliffhanger at the end I'm like oh oh all right I see you Um, There was another thing that was a a mystery that I knew right off the bat what it was and what it alluded to and what it meant. But that was just me being a nerd who read every book in my small West Virginia town library and knew uh, my way around a library pretty well. Um,
0: And if you're thinking of the same thing I am, then I kind of got the idea just by the actor that they cast. I was like, just by seeing you, I have a feeling that I know that something's up with you. Mm -hmm. Because you are among that grab bag of actors that Mike Flanagan likes to go to, and most of the Mm. time, you play a complete scumbag.
2: Oh. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Okay, now it's dawning on me. It's like, how... (laughs) how vague we're being right now trying not to give spoilers we're being so good most of the other reviews I'm on we're like right, let's just lay it out and talk about what we had issues with in this plot Um, but we're trying to be a bit coy here
1: well speaking of interesting inclusions to the past
2: uh, one of the reasons that I signed on for this
1: aside from being a Mike Flanagan thing was Heather Lankenkamp from Nightmare on Elm Street and she is really good in it She plays like the lead doctor slash headmistress kind of thing of this not quite school, but it has a very boarding school kind of vibe to it. Um Doctor Georgina she's... Stanton? Yeah and she plays a very very interesting character in more ways than one and not just dr stanton but one of the recurring things that goes on as each night as each of the kids tells a story the quote-unquote actors playing it out are themselves they cast themselves as the main role and their friends there at the hospice and dr stanton all show up in different roles throughout each other's stories and it's always Really fascinating to see. And she in particular plays such a wide range of characters from this like devil character to a hard-boiled nineteen forties noir detective. It's just, oh, it's delightful. I wish she was in more things.
0: Yeah, she always in this or in this case, whenever it comes to her being cast in the kids' story, she always plays sort of a questionable figure of authority, which I thought was yeah. great mm-hmm. because it was so reflective of how the kids view her in the real world. Yeah. Where they're like, We're not quite sure about you. I loved that. But they do that yeah. a lot with the characters, where they will find ways to bring in the other characters in real life and cast them into very appropriate roles in whatever stories they're telling at the time, all of which are reflecting where they are in the process of, you know, their dealing with their own situation. And, man, as those went on, you know, they just got deeper and darker and i can't think of a single one of them where i actually didn't shed a tear
2: yeah yeah i liked how each one like their stories were a different sort of like genre of suspense or thriller and they were all filmed differently Mm
0: -hmm. or
2: had like different like sort of like color filters on them i i like that each of their stories were, were just sort of filmed ever so slightly differently um I'm trying to think of, gosh, like Kevin told a story about a murderer, and then the girl who was the she's the pathological liar, was it that did the noir yeah, style story? The, the yeah, actress's daughter. Yeah, who was
0: also the Christian girl in Midnight Mass, which I was like, that was funny. Yeah, <laughs> no, that was the Christian girl. I thought. Oh, was it? Oh, my bad. Yeah. Um, but no, I know, I know you're talking about. Yeah, she's the one who. Yeah, she likes to do angel porn.
2: <laughs> 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 and they're like. Oh, finally, someone did an angel porn right. She wasn't even here for it. <laughs> <laughs> that was cute. That's like, that's something friends say. We're like, oh, man. Like, some of the kids, like, I, I don't know. Just they, Mike uh, writes really good sort of uh, organic uh, teen dialogue, which is nice to hear.
1: Yeah, it, it didn't sound for once like 45-year-olds trying to write for, you know, 17-year-olds.
0: <laughs> there was one part where someone use the term cringe factor which i was like i was a 90s kid but i don't remember anybody using that term in the day
2: yeah mm no That wasn't really
1: a thing back then. not
2: anachronistic verbiage.
1: Well, one of the stories that the kids tells in particular actually earned the show a Guinness World Record entry for the most jump scares (laughs) ever in a single episode of a TV show, which yeah, definitely. And I found out because when I was watching it, I hadn't really read much on the show. And so except for that. And I was like, oh, God, really? I've only seen like two or three of them so far. And they're both kind of eye rollers because I do not like jump scares. Not that they scare me. I just think they're kind of a crutch. They're very rarely used well. Um, So when I was like, oh, God, I've only seen like three and there's like 17 more of these things. Oh, God. But it's it's done.
0: (laughs) I think it was what, 21 that they said?
1: 21. Yes. And well, I, I read after the fact that it, it was done that way, like almost sarcastically under protest because apparently Netflix told uh, Mike Flanagan to put more jump scares in it. And so he was like, okay. <laughs> and that's what they got. <laughs> so you just get this rapid fire.
0: Seriously, Netflix, he's done so much for yeah, you.
1: Let the man work. He knows better than you. I
0: will say though, I'm like, if you're scared of that people, because yes, jump scares... Even when they're done right, I'm like, I think they are the cheapest gimmick in all of horror. The show is very, very aware of them when they use them. Mm-hmm. In fact, I thought that was one of the funniest bits in the entire show was when they bring in the jump scares. Yeah. I was like, oh, they know exactly yeah, was... what they're doing.
1: Just this like m- mini gun onslaught of boo,
0: boo, boo. <laughs> we'll explain what? it to Tesso later. Because <laughs> you're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, what? I'm like,
1: you're you're that person that has burned off so many of their taste buds they can have like that the super nuclear ghost chilies, whatever. And it's like, mm, I'm not really doing it for
2: me. <laughs> uh, I I I did do the blue chip challenge at a party, and it has a scorpion Ooh. pepper and a uh, what's the California Reaper like combined into a chip, and um. I did not do well. What? I mean, I did well initially. I was fine. I was like, this isn't so bad. And then, like, an hour later I actually um, had, like, it's called, like, a vagus nerve reaction which is basically, like, going into shock.
0: Oh, my. So, wait, did you have the whole chip or did you break it off
2: into pieces? Oh, I ate the whole thing. <gasps> oh, uh, my god, you mentioned sh- F's in chat. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, <laughs> but yeah, burnt off taste buds, I guess. It, also, yeah, it, it, it cures buds.
0: you of being able to be scared by a
1: Fake jump scare. Mm-hmm. And even some of the ones later that weren't quite as sarcastic, and that they were more like, oh, boo! Genuine jump scare. I was just like, ah! Uh, I found myself going, oh, spooky, out loud every time like <laughs> when the, the old lady ghost would show up. There was one time where she showed up in Alonka's bedroom and just kind of the, staring at her from across the bed and, and just this long pause of silence and cut back and forth between the two of them staring at her, each other and I, I was like alright if this is me I would just be like uh, do you want something? Cause I, I gotta go to bed. Can I help you? <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. What? Yeah. Which I think is exactly, <laughs> I think that's exactly how the actress who plays Alonka uh, plays it every single time where when someone shows up and like a freaking ghost with hollowed out eyes and a blacked out mouth just comes up and is standing over her friend's bed or looking into her mirror she just kind of has this look of that's weird huh (laughs) (laughs) which if i may say i had any issue with Mm -hmm. this show at all um it's not a big one but uh i was actually i was actually trying to like find on my phone right now the actress's name who plays Alonka uh, and i couldn't I'm find Ron it benson if there was anybody who wasn't quite hitting it out of the park for me it was kind of her i don't think she's a bad actress i think there are many scenes i think there are many scenes and many emotions that she plays really well but there are many points where she's supposed to be playing the like someone who is seeing something really quite uh it, extremely frightening and she always just kind of has this non reaction to it where i was like maybe she just wasn't capable of agreed getting a better reaction i don't know it was just it was something that was kind of bugging me and i think her i think her character was also kind of my least favorite there were points where she was just annoying shit out of me i don't know what you guys thought
1: yeah no i i mean the character as all the teen characters do has to do a lot of heavy lifting when she does that pretty well when it it calls for it but i think the character in general suffers from protagonist syndrome where she can't be too much of one thing or another so the audience will have someone to relate to because Again, not only are these people with terminal illnesses, but they are teenagers, which a lot of us aren't anymore, with very extreme personalities. And so I think she was purposefully kind of a little bit of a blank slate at times um for that. But yeah, others, she would be super just chill and oh, that's weird to things. And then others, she would be like, no, something's going on. We have to look into it. And it's like, whoa. <laughs> Uh, Or just being
0: incredibly rude And insensitive to people I was like oh my god dude stop
1: Also and kind kind of dumb At some points where she goes to like The hippie cult commune on the other side Of the forest and she, they're like oh yes we we practice alchemy here and we raise our own vegetables and everyone's a family and well, you can leave at any time cult. and cult. it's just wonderful and i'm like a, a girl cult. go go back i know uh.
0: especially when they in the first episode she's walking around the house that she's just walking into and she's apparently done all the research on the past of it and she's like yeah there used to be a cult that was here i'm like so this hippie commune on the outskirts of this is not setting off any red uh-huh. flags in your opinion?
2: No, we just we just make tea. No, here. I thought you were
0: going to Stanford. And, and every
1: single time <laughs> every single time she goes for a hike in the woods, that lady is there Oh I saw you on the monitors. Like this is nineteen ninety five. What kind of security cameras do you got set up in the woods that are that good?
0: <laughs> I saw you on the monitors. I saw you at midnight mass. Mm-hmm. I'm out of here
2: took me a minute to realize that's who that yep. was and i was like oh right oh i hated her so much oh somebody throw oh. that bish anyways uh. i know <laughs> oh, my it's God. one you of those times i'm like you're way
0: too much I, I you're too good of couldn't. an actor for your own good
1: seriously yeah wow damn i i we were talking about this before we started recording but yeah i just binged midnight mass this past weekend after having for no real reason slept on it all for the past year and yeah, wow, that really, that's on brand for her as an actress playing that kind yeah, of character I- again. <laughs> yeah. like, even
0: if you, play an, if you play an angel in the next thing Mike Flanagan does, mm-hmm. I am still going to be
2: suspicious of you. Sus, immediately sus, sus. anytime I- she's in anything.
0: <laughs> I
1: mean, well... Considering the last thing to be called mm-hmm. an angel seen in a Mike Flanagan show, yeah, that it probably would be sus if she showed up I as just, one. That,
2: <laughs> mm. Okay, we, we're getting off the rails here. We're talking about Midnight Mass. Now, it's still, it still has the word midnight in it. Yep. It counts, right?
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah.
1: Totally the same. Um, it The show, yeah, if I too have a kind of a, I don't know, nitpick on it or kind of a down point for me is that It it did take a little bit of time to really pick up steam. And throughout it, I was just kind of like, all right, where's where's this going? Come on, does this need to be this many episodes? Um, There was a lot of downtime in it, and I was checking my phone arbitrarily. Um, But it's, I mean, I would definitely recommend it to that young adult audience for sure.
2: Some of their stories weren't a little long, I felt like. Some of them, I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. we can wrap Mm -hmm. up this story, you kids. You know, you need to get back to bed. You're sick. You know, I mean, they are, they are what? They're drinking wine or something. (laughs) They're on their meds and drinking wine and stuff. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I felt like some of their midnight tales went a little long, but I feel like the whole their whole pact that they had was kind of cool. You know, I don't think we've even touched on it. Like whoever dies first has mm-hmm. to like try and leave a sign that there is an afterlife and like that goes surreal and just like to do something mm-hmm. to prove it. You know, the the, the paranormal.
0: Yeah, and... I, I would agree. I think that I think my biggest problem with this is that this is 10 episodes and they are all encroaching on an hour in runtime. I think there was a way to shorten this, make it a bit tighter. And I think some of these stories they I think that they're trying to play them more for laughs than they are actually trying to ingratiate them into the story. Mm-hmm. I really did think it got better as it went along. But like mm-hmm. I said, it took me about four episodes to really get a sense of what it was they were trying to do to really hook me. But by that point, I thought that they had done a great enough job of letting you get to know these characters, getting you a sense of who they are. So I was like, well, yes, yeah, this is running on long. Some of these stories are written, I think, better than others. That may just be because they're written by a bunch of teenagers on the fly. But yeah. I did, I did really enjoy the performances enough, and I thought that they drew these characters enough, and they go through some serious trials together, to where I was like, okay, by this point, I just really want to see what it is that you're going to do together to get out, like, not get out of the situation, but to kind of deal with this really mutually devastating situation that you're in, and... Man, yeah, if the last three episodes did not have me sobbing intermittently, then (laughs) I would be completely lying. I'm
2: gonna probably have to, I think, I think maybe I'm slightly dead inside, because I didn't really cry much at all through this, and then the jump scares didn't really (laughs) get me either. Am I, am I just so, uh, a numb at this point Mm -hmm. to, uh, everything? I don't know. Oy ve. Um, okay. I'm right there with you.
1: There was yeah. only one point that really had the waterworks going for me, and it was without spoiling mm. anything. It was the scene on the beach.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that That's scene. Good. Uh, that was pretty good.
1: Yeah. Well, should we move into final thoughts? Sure. Let's All right, not
0: take it away. Um. Well, I think that I, I, I really love this. Um. I think that as far as Mike Flanagan's series go, I do have a lot of problems with it. It's It never once hit the apex, or even came close to hitting the apex, that is Midnight Mass for me. But that's really not its fault, very few things do. Uh, But what I thought that this did really well was that it explores the idea of dealing with one's mortality. It's about trying to understand how to deal with not just death, but what it is to live life. And man, did they go to some places that just hit me on such a personal level. And I thought that their performances, for the most part, were, I thought, pretty solid. There were some points where I thought, okay, this is kind of delving into some melodrama. It's not hitting Mm -hmm. the way that I think they believe they're hitting. But when it's Mike Flanagan and he's throwing those wonderful soliloquies at you, I'm like, hey, if they don't always hit, that's fine. Because most of them will. Anyway, Um, I, I do hope this gets a second season. This is definitely, like we said, the first time that I felt like Mike Flanagan is trying to set up a second season, and I think that he has put out enough breadcrumbs to where I am very interested to see what he does. I have my theories, but I really want to see them played out. He's, I think, that good of a storyteller, and I'm sure that whatever he does next with this, it will be just as you know, profound and tear jerking as it always is. So I am going to give this, I'm going to give this eight and a half out of 10 uh, tissue boxes that you always want to bring when you see his name on anything. <laughs>
2: right on. Tessa. Yeah. Um. I feel like, as we said, it, some of the episodes could have been a little bit, a little bit shorter, but I mean, beyond that, I don't have like too many complaints Um. other than maybe some of the runtime on some of the stories um and like we said it could have been a bit tighter. Um and as far as maybe not wholeheartedly uh clinging to the protagonist and finding the other characters to be more endearing, I find that pretty frequently to be the case for me that the protagonists are kind of boring or the leaders if you will. Like I'm not a big Leonardo fan in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Leonardo's the most boring one, sorry y'all. Um I've always uh uh was more into Mikey, Raff, or Donnie. Um or Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I like every other character except for Buffy. <laughs> I'm just like, she's Aww. boring. I mean, she isn't, she isn't, but you know, I kinda get that mindset where you're like, oh, these other characters are are kind of more engaging. But the thing is, we we have Ilanka's backstory. We know where she was before all this. All these other characters and kids are a mystery. So that kind of makes them more interesting. Um I, you know this one's a this one is a a bop um not every uh soliloquy slaps uh as melina said uh but quite a few of them uh are are good enough um mike flanagan still has the the same sort of vibe which i like to gravitate towards um really good cinematography great foley great like music like everything kind of just gels together really well um yeah, so if you want to watch some Are You Afraid of the Dark for Adults, fuck yeah, let's do this.
0: <laughs> um,
2: I'm all about it. So I want to give this a 8.5 out of 10 uh, donut mugs, a uh, fucking full of wine. Uh, I don't know what the <laughs> accent was, but uh, whatever.
0: It wasn't Irish, that's for sure. Uh, no, that's terrible, terrible. <laughs> I love that um, mug, though, I will that say. That donut
2: mug. At first, it... I couldn't figure out what it was. I was like, is that like a stack of donuts turned into a mug? I didn't realize it was donuts at all, so <laughs> y'all are more on the board. We're learning than something
0: me. new all the time.
1: Yeah, I thought it was just like one of those lumpy, kind of like folk art mugs that everyone's Mima has in their cabinets. Um, yeah, I mean, what, what more is there to be said that it's just this lovingly rendered, beautifully shot, pretty well acted uh, thing that, yeah, could stand to be just a little bit tighter here and there? Um and it it's like it's trying to be an ensemble cast with a dedicated main character, and yeah, unfortunately, that main character is not the most interesting most of the time. Even though Reactus is definitely trying, um, but it certainly deserves a second season, and I would definitely be watching it if if there is one. So I would give this seventy five jump scares out of a hundred <laughs> in a single episode. Boo. Boo. Thank <laughs> you.